Hey, welcome to James Crowley's Infinite Playlist, the podcast where I try to hear every song that has ever existed, a podcast on the Lughole Network. I'm your host, James Crowley, and yeah, we're back this week. I took a little bit of a break last week. I had I had a lot going on, so, uh, you know, I just said, you know, I'm just gonna not do a podcast this week, give myself a little bit of a break. I've put out podcasts while I'm on vacation. I deserve a little bit of a break, but we're back, and we're back with a really great episode. This week, I'm talking to Alex Hajar from the Social Animals podcast. I'm going to let Alex explain his podcast a little bit, but I do want to say that I really enjoyed talking to Alex. I enjoy talking to just about everyone that's on this podcast, but um, Alex has kept in touch a little bit since uh, we recorded our podcast. We DM each other on Instagram on occasion, uh, and he's a really, really great guy, and his podcast is super cool, and it's a great concept, and he will explain it in a moment. This week, we're talking about songs that make us feel old and I really enjoyed doing this with Alex because there is a bit of an age gap between the two of us so it was great getting to talk about our different perspectives with certain songs and I really enjoyed this concept because there's certain songs that I love and I grew up with that uh, just kind of are treated like classic rock sometimes when I talk to younger people and it was really fun to explore that. Before we get into any of that, you can follow Alex on all of his social medias. He's at Social Animals Podcast on Instagram. He's at underscore Social Animals underscore on Twitter. Those will both be in the show notes. And you should check out the Social Animals Podcast. It's a very cool, very fun concept, and I really enjoyed learning more about it, and I've enjoyed listening to it. Um, you can follow me on all my socials. I'm James P. Crowley on Instagram and TikTok, James P. Crowley 68 on Twitter. I'm trying to get verified and run into problems with it. Give me more followers so that uh, I think that's the issue that I have. <laughs> um, but anyway, and uh, yeah, and you can follow the podcast on Instagram. It's uh, at James Crowley's Infinite Playlist. Uh, doing some music concept. I show what records I'm listening to. I show, you know, just random things, videos from shows, things like that. Um, you know, it, and tell me what you want to see. If you want, if you think you have great ideas for songs that should have been on playlists of episodes send me a dm there with your playlist i'd love to hear your ideas and i'll talk about them when i do solo episodes of the podcast um but anyway without further ado here's my conversation with alex can you tell me a little bit about uh the social animals podcast Oh yeah, totally. Uh, and I get it. I edit the shit out of my. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, so it's an interview style storytelling podcast about friendships. Um, I ask, uh, about 13, I ask about 16 questions actually. So 13 questions are, um, the friendship style questions. So who was your first friend? Who was your, uh, did you have an imaginary friend? Have you lost a friend tragically? Um, and how did you cope with it? And, and some other, uh, sort of following those themes in, in the sense that friendship is not necessarily all, uh, lollipops and rainbows, right? It's a very complex yeah. dynamic relationship that, uh, I think a lot of us miss out on that and, 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 uh, or not necessarily miss out on that, but maybe don't know how to cope with the ins and outs of it. And uh, I think maybe hearing some of the stories that people have to tell and the way that they approached uh, those situations might uh, 
you know, touch somebody who's listening if they're going through a rough patch with a friend or a really good patch and they can figure out something else they want to explore with their friend and just to be open and honest and, and that sort of stuff. Yeah. That's awesome. I think that the past year has kind of, uh, forced people to kind of re-examine certain friendships and things in their lives, you know, Mm. just because like, you know, everyone's just kind of like, all right, well, who can I see? Who can I keep in touch with? And like, even like, but you know i have friends that i talk to you know every day but then some of them are kind of like oh yeah you know this person keeps texting me and i'm i can't even bother <laughs> you know yeah oh totally but yeah There's so some, i like the idea of yeah. examining friendships thank you yeah i think it's a it's funny like i said it was supposed to be a comedy funny jokey thing and then and then it became like really deep so but i'm glad it went in that direction and then i also uh, just to top it off i also asked three questions that are related to, they kind of give the guests a platform. Uh, so it's, uh, you know, what's your nine to five? Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, what do you do for fun or what's the spice of your life, you know? And then uh, what's next? What's next on the horizon? So I've had like musicians, uh, I have some doctors coming up. I've had, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, entertainers and uh, comedians and things like that. So it's, um, everybody's got friends or most people have friends, I should say, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and so, yeah, I think it's it's um, they're not always the easiest stories to yeah. to share, but it's great that people are willing to share them because there's other people that, um, like I said, might be able to relate. So that's cool. Absolutely. Well, cool. So let before we get into the playlist proper, um, I always like to ask, what type of music do you typically listen to? So the music that I typically listen to. Uh, so I grew up listening to classic rock and then uh, like the Guess Who and Zeppelin and all those cool bands. Um, I hated disco, you know, like that was just, you know, when you're into that thing, you hate disco or whatever. Um, but then, uh, yeah, I got into like Corn and New Metal, Limp Bizkit and Stain and all those bands and Slipknot. And then and then really pop punk really took over. So yeah. it was Blink-182, Green Day, No Effects, uh, Rancid, uh, Pennywise going to the warp tour and then growing through the uh the emo scene uh and then seeing kids you know and um and then i got into like kyoto's and hardcore and then four yeah. years strong which is like totally rad i love those guys uh and now i'm kind of trying to listen to as much different stuff as possible um so uh and a lot of local stuff so there's like bands out of toronto like mono whales uh, are really the kind of pop alternative rock. Uh, they're really well, they're really good. Uh, Tourist Company, uh, there's a band called The Good Luck Shop. Uh, they did the theme song for my podcast. He's a really great guy. Um, yeah, so a lot of local music and I still stay in the sort of rock realm. Yeah. Um, but I kind of venture into a little bit of um, folk music and and some EDM's kind of taken over, right? So yeah. I feel like, and I play like Rocket League. So now I hear it all the time and I'm like, oh yeah, you know, yeah. and uh, <laughs> it gets you I don't high. really, it does, gets my, my blood glowing. So I don't, I don't look for EDM stuff, but I don't mind it anymore. Like I, I do enjoy yeah. listening to it. That's kind of how I feel with a lot of like EDM. And, you know, even like I've come to realize stuff that I don't really like, you know, I, I think I've kind of come to live with it and I can like find different ways to get into it, especially from doing this podcast. Yeah. The only thing is when I'm playing Rocket League and then, you know, when they, have you ever played that? I have not. 
Okay, I'll tell you what happened. So every time someone scores a goal, they play like whatever the person's chosen as their dance theme. Uh, so if a lot of people pick the same song, that's when I get like, I hate the song because I yeah. hear it all the time, you know, like right. it's overplayed. But. Things getting overplayed is complete. You know, that's when I'm just like, I'm sick of this. You know, yeah. I'm, on, I'm all over TikTok. So I hear the same songs, not even the same songs, the well, same yeah. 10 seconds of songs over and over again. That's something I haven't, I have TikTok but I don't use it. Uh, but because it's like so new, I quit social media for a little bit and then yeah. I got back into it because of the podcast. Um, but realistically, like TikTok's like almost too new, too fresh. Uh, yeah. and, and it is, it's the same crap over and over again yeah. <laughs> all the time, like just doing the same stuff. And I'm like, this is boring though, you know? Yeah. Um, you so see like a lot of the same like memes and things. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, but anyway, it's funny that you mentioned how TikTok is the new cool thing, uh, because that was kind of what I had in mind when I first put this on my like list of suggestions. The theme that you chose for the pot for the playlist was makes me feel old. Yes. Yeah. So what was kind of your approach uh, to that, uh, to making this playlist? I don't know. I think that like, you know, you've asked me what I listen to now. And I do like if I was you know, if we went back in time to where I was in high school, when I was really, I was going, I lived in a suburb and I would go downtown as much as humanly possible uh, to go watch live music at all these kind of grungy clubs that my friends were playing at. Uh, and I eventually played some shows at stuff, but whatever. Um, that person I was would never recognize the playlist that I have today. Uh, so it was more of a nostalgic thing where I was like, yeah. oh, maybe I should dig up, you know, some, you know, look up these YouTube videos with uh, these old songs and, and check that out. It was pure nostalgia. Yeah, that was kind of what I tried to do with mine. I get a little bit, when we get towards the end of mine, I had, I tried to do something a little bit different, but for me, I was definitely like, all right, I want things that are kind of like nostalgic and also things that like, when I, when I hear now, I really think like, Jesus, that song came out 15, 20 years ago. Man, I was making notes for this thing and I'll be honest with you. I saw your list and I was like, I don't recognize any of this. Song. Like, I recognize some of them. Right. But I was like, Taylor Swift. Nope. Nope. This is going to be all him. Um, but uh, that's okay. That's, that's part of the thing. Right. So, uh, and I tried to pick like some stuff from like uh, hip hop and, and yeah. alt music. I didn't want to pick like all pump punk, uh, punk uh, pop punk. Sorry. That would be ridiculous. Right. It'd be monotonous. But uh, so I tried to pick a little from everywhere, uh, but I did genuinely listen to all of these songs and uh, seeing that I was 14 in the year 2000 is insane. Yeah. I was you know? like five and uh, five, six years old in 2000. So it's, oh, shit. so like, okay. it's very funny. Cause these are all like songs that I know, but not necessarily songs that I ever remember being popular. <laughs> okay. Well then so, I can definitely see why. I don't recognize your list. Yes, <laughs> uh, but I'm very excited. Well, so let's get right into it with mm -hmm. your first song, which was Strange Days by Matthew Goodband. To land on your feet, you crazy to want this even for a while making this the reasons will be you can't remember the others they just kind of went away so you're driving 
Tell me a little bit about this one. Yeah, so that uh, that came out in March 2000. I was 14 years old. Matt Good was like really big when I was in high school, but he was big for the older kids. Uh, and I was part of the sort of drama kids, uh, at yeah. least at, at one point. So I um, admired those people and I wanted to be like those people. I looked up to them and uh, and I would listen to them. And they listened to like, uh, they got me into like Alexis on fire when it was like, pure screaming like there was yeah. no like the melody was way down below the baseline like you could barely hear uh dallas green uh and it was pure screaming i was like what is this shit but then you know and they listened to like Mo monine and things like that so i got into that sort of scene as well uh because of them but um yeah i uh, matt good is just pure canadiana it's like he's part of the <laughs> Canadian music furniture at this point uh, because his songs were so ingrained into the fabric of like the 90s and, and two, early 2000s and things like that. Uh, and he had a lot of demons that he struggled with that I wasn't aware of at the time. And, um, but he made really good music and it was kind of angry and angsty, but it wasn't super whiny. Um, yeah. So it was kind of a perfect mix of the of the 90s for me anyways. Um, and yeah, and he was Canadian. So it was cool, right? Like, I think that's the hometown. That's a pure thing. Yeah, you know, I think when it comes to music in Canada, it's tough. Um, because there's so much like American influence, right? Um, which is great. America pumps out a lot of entertainment. Um, and a lot of superstars and things like that. And Canada doesn't. But when we do, you know, you feel like a, oh yeah, like, well, yeah, like you said, hometown pride. But um, yeah, that's a song about like depression and suicide, but ultimately not uh, doing those things. The video is really weird. Um, it's kind of like there's a homeless uh, youth on the streets and, and people kind of pass them by and then they kind of don't pay any mind to them. And there's a point where the homeless youth sees like a van coming from one direction about to hit the person that just totally ignored them uh, and then pushes them out of the way and uh, saves their life. But they were running from their own family and their own problems. So like I said, there's a lot of darkness involved. Um, but listening to it now, man, I could listen to that on repeat time and time again. And it's, it's both comforting um, and, and uh, nostalgic. And it's just, it's a great song. It's a really great song. Yeah. I, this was, there were a few songs on your playlist that I had never heard. So this was this one right off the bat. I was like, I don't know this, but really? it's funny that you mentioned that it's like a Canadian singer. Cause to me, it sound, it sounded very of that era. It kind of reminded mm -hmm. me of like the reason by Hoobastank and uh, what's the yeah. other uh, uh, Iris by the Goo Goo Dolls was my big right. uh, yeah, reference yeah, point yeah. where I was like, these kind of sound similar. And it is very like comforting and like kind of knowing that bands like that have that sort of like punk edge, even though like this is kind of a ballad, you know, is very cool. Yeah. 
Yeah, and Matt Good is kind of a badass. Uh, like I said, he had a lot of demons, but uh, I think he's, for the most part, overcome them. I've seen him twice live. So I saw him once at a place called Massey Hall in downtown Toronto. Uh, and that is a very old venue that's currently going under restoration. Uh, but I got to see him in these old, tight, crappy, comfortable seats, uh, uncomfortable seats, uh, you know, when people were three times smaller than I am. Um, <clears throat> and that was really cool. But um, the next time I saw him, he was the last uh, live show I saw before the very first oh. lockdown. Uh, that was March 12th in uh, also in downtown Toronto at uh, this venue that used to be called the Sony Center. And I can never remember its name now. Uh, but yeah, that's so uh, it's so funny that it was March 12th. That's like right under the wire because I. I think that we, ha I had concert tickets to something right before lockdown, like for that day that ended up getting canceled. Um, although I know yeah. lockdowns kind of came at different points for different sure. areas. Yeah, he was, it was funny because he, so we had, we had, we had, I uh, met my wife at her work and we went for dinner and then we were kind of like, should we go? Like there's going to be a crowd and shit, right? Yeah. Um, but we showed up there and there was, it was uh, so many people did not show up that they were like, here's some front row tickets. <laughs> so we we're like, <laughs> okay, great. Cause we were supposed to be up like uh, not nosebleeds, but for further away anyways, in the balcony. Um, and, and there was, there was enough space or whatever, but obviously it was right at the beginning. So no one knew what to do. Yeah. Uh, thankfully nothing happened to us. Yeah. Um, and it was a fantastic show. He said that he has the same illness that, Oh, who is that comedian? that passed away uh was a black comedian played bass he had his own show bernie mac oh okay yeah he said he has the same um illness that bernie mac had and if he essentially got the flu that he would he would be Jeez. done for uh so he was like if i can do it then it's okay and i was like that's kind of a bullshit reason but whatever yeah. i'm not here for that i'm here for the music so it was fine <laughs> absolutely that's awesome yeah yeah well let's keep on rolling along into my first song which was i write sins not tragedies by panic at the disco well imagine as i'm pacing the pews in a church corridor and i can't help but to hear no i can't help but to hear in exchanging of words what a beautiful wedding what a beautiful wedding says a bridesmaid to a waiter but what a shame what a shame the poor groom's bride is a whore i chime in Technically, our marriage is saved. Well, this calls for a toast, so pour the champagne. Oh, well, in fact, well, I'll look at it this way. I mean, technically, our marriage is saved. Which, um... It's funny because I've been talking to a lot of my friends about Panic at the Disco recently because I saw I saw a TikTok video where someone talked about uh, like being nostalgic for Hot Topic in 2015. 
Um, right. which by 2015, I wasn't shopping at Hot Topic, but like they were like, what was your nostalgic Hot Topic t-shirt? And one of them was a Panic at the Disco shirt. And I was like, Panic at the Disco was 10 years old at that point. Yeah, um, yeah. And I'm like, yeah. I was listening to Panic at the Disco when I was in the sixth grade, you know, when this album came out. Um, yeah, so- they were great. They were, uh, they were a different kind of punk music at the time right yeah. I, I feel like they kind of uh were at that first generation of um like emo right yeah in like the mainstream yeah where like they were kind of on the uh, they came kind of on the heels of like my chemical romance and fallout boy and like all those major bands you know but they were kind of they were kind of pop punky but they were also very theatrical um yeah the theatrics was the impressive stuff and you can see that in the videos and 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 the makeup and things like that like they were very you know they put on a show and that's that's part of the entertainment uh i didn't listen to them as much as a a lot of other things but i do remember them and the thing is is i think with bands like that it was it was kind of like okay this isn't really what i'm listening to but i appreciate the confidence uh coming out a group full of dudes um at that time wearing makeup and getting costumed up like it's a broadway play and that's something that not a lot of um you know mainstream bands were doing up until that point uh on a big scale and that was that was impressive it was good if someone was theatrical before it was kind of like a shock sort of thing like like an Alice Cooper, like Marilyn Manson type, you know, like we're going to overdo it for shock value where yeah. I think a lot of those bands were kind of like, we're going to put on eyeliner uh, to <laughs> look good. <laughs> yeah. And they were also doing it in the mainstream. Like you said, a lot of the bands before were doing it, you know, I mean, Queen was massive and, and that was a huge theatrical show, but that was one person. Um, yeah. And the same thing, like Marilyn Manson is one person, and I've got tons of opinions on him anyways, because he is useless. <laughs> um, but I used to listen to him, but I'm only saying that because I went to a show and he was like too drunk to perform. Oh, so I, w- I have the exact same experience. Right, it happens um, all the time. Everyone I meet has that thing with yeah. Marilyn Manson, yeah. And then all the allegations came, you know, we don't have to get into Manson, but yeah. No, 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 no. But Rob Zombie played with him and Rob Zombie always steals the show. That yeah, that was, a, that was the zombie. I've seen him twice. He's such, he is a really good performer. He's super tight. And I never would have thought of that, but my wife was, is into him, like likes him or whatever. Yeah. And she was like, no, let's go see zombie. And I was like, well, okay. And uh, I was, I was just there. I was like, this is going to be bullshit. And then, yeah, he went on and I'm like, yeah, I'm not still not huge on the songs, but they're tight. And uh, he's running around. He's doing all sorts of stuff. He really knows how to work the crowd. He's a fantastic performer. Yeah, he's he's someone that's been on my list. I I had a Rob Zombie shirt from uh, that. I got at the Hot Topic when I was in like eighth grade. <laughs> and, yeah. I, uh, you know, I found it somewhat recently and I was like, oh, geez, if I could still fit into this, I would totally still wear it because it looked like a vintage uh, oh, Halloween yeah. shirt, it, like a haunted house. It was super cool. Um, but Panic at the Disco is kind of one of those bands where now they're super fa- like they were famous then, but now they're like a whole other level. And it is just the one guy, but I chose them to kind of start off because it was the first moment I ever went to a show and actually like felt old. Um, oh really okay because a friend of mine i went with a friend of mine i want to say in 
2016, 2017 or so to see Panic at the Disco. They were headlining Madison Square Garden. It was a great show. But we went and we get there and I'm looking around and I was like, oh, this is filled with like 12 and 13 year olds. Yeah. Um, Yeah, yeah. And like this was the only song that they did from that era. And the thing that I always kind of think of as like the biggest like indicator for like the age group at that show was um, there was a massive line to buy merch. Like if you wanted a t-shirt, I was in line, you know, for my friend and I, and I was in the line through the two opening acts because it was so long. But then there was no line to buy a beer. (laughs) oh fantastic so, like, that's I good went news from, yeah i went from the t-shirt right to get a beer and i was like all right i just waited for about an hour for this shirt and no time for this beer yeah yeah i th- i don't know are we gonna did i pick uh four years strong i don't think i did uh i want to relate to what you just said because i think it's a funny because the first time that i felt old at a show i went to go see uh four years strong um in Leeds, I used to live in Leeds in the UK. I lived there for a oh, few nice. years. And uh, so I went to go see them at Leeds Uni. And I had already seen them like two or three times by the time I'd gone there. But that was the first time, I'm guessing, because it was at a university. Um, I definitely felt like the oldest person. And I was like, I think I was like 28 or 29. Um, but everybody there is like 18, 19 years old. Yeah. Um, and it was the first, like, I've always been a big person. You know, I'm like six yeah. foot four, I'm like 250 pounds. I've always been pretty big. But uh, that was the first time where I'm like, if I get into this mosh pit, I'm going to knock someone the fuck out. Like, no questions <laughs> asked. And then I'm going to get charged because I'm way older than all these people. But uh, that's the first time I felt properly old at a show. Yeah, I've had that. I went to see um, the Wonder Years and they had a bunch of like younger pop punk bands opening up for them. And like, Mm. they're my favorite band. I'll see them whenever they come to town. But I remember I was like standing at the bar before that show and there there was no one at the bar. And I started talking to the one guy that was there that looked significantly older than me. And he was like, yeah, I'm here with my son. Right. It's like, oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah. yeah." I'm like, oh, I'm that guy. I'm like, I'm here for the show, but. Yeah, that's wild. But yeah, speaking of pop punk, your next song was Damn It by Blink-182. Yeah, absolute classic. I think it's just like that's the song that started it all uh, for me uh, into the into punk and stuff like that. And I got sort of made fun of throughout my entire life, almost listening to them. Um, even when I was older, people were like, that's not real punk. And I'm like, yeah, 
fuck it is though it is okay it's not like it's a different kind of punk but it's accessible and uh it was a gateway drug you know it was yeah. a gateway punk right so it was so palatable um it brought you know skateboarding into my life it brought uh being wanting to be a musician re- like finding out about music researching music and different bands um and and it made me relate you know i was uh how old was I? 11 years old when Damn It came out. I probably found out about them not far after that. But yeah, grade seven or eight or whatever. My friend Jesse, uh, he had a poster of them. And I was like, who are those dudes? And he's like, you got to hear them. He had a poster of them and Melancholin. And um, and yeah, so that kind of obviously they were ubiquitous in the 90s and 2000s. And um, I've seen them loads of times as well. But, you know, when you're growing up and you're that age, it's very formative years. So yeah. Um, yeah, who you're becoming is like has a lot to do with what you're listening to. I I believe that truly, and I st- it still does. Um, but yeah, uh, so th- that attitude of like I don't give a shit. People can't tell me what to do, and uh, I'm gonna be my own person uh, and have that independence. And then I was always really nervous with girls, but Blink 182 kind of sang about that. And then I was like, oh. I mean, okay, I guess I'm not the only one who's a total loser and like shy and goofy. They make it silly. Yeah, exactly. They made it silly and they made me feel like I was like not alone. And and that's why I hung on to it for sure. Yeah. And it's funny how you mentioned it's kind of like a gateway drug because I've heard Blink-182 referred to as like a gateway band. Um, and like Frank, uh, Frank Turner, who has covered this song, has introduced it by saying, like, you know, people sometimes say to me, oh, you're nothing but a gateway band, like it's an insult. And he's like, I think what a wonderful thing if I'm the person that gets people into this whole wild world of punk rock, because like, you know, if there is no Blink-182 who are kind of famous, kind of like boy band level, you know, yeah. people, no one would care about uh, Mill and Colin or, you know, Pennywise exactly. or, you know, mm-hmm. and there wouldn't be bands like, like four years strong, you know, years later. A hundred percent. They would not exist without Blink-182. There is no way that a lot of bands would exist without them. And they paved the way for, for, for so many people. I mean, there were, there's other, there's plenty of other punk bands that are uh, just as independently fantastic at what they do and, and are, and we're as like a, as much of a, you know, they open the floodgates for fans. But uh, yeah, I think Blink-22, like you said, they were boy band level famous and they just paved the way for for fans to, you know, you could get someone who is into hip hop listening to Damn It because it's easy. It's three or four yeah. chords. It's so easy to get along with. Hooks are really good. And yeah, you just drag them right into punk music. And and uh, it's a good attitude, man. I'm still like, I don't give a shit. Like, um that kind of attitude you can't exactly. tell me what to do i'm an adult you know yeah well <laughs> and now like that blink 182 were very like you know when it comes to the blink 182 like green day debate because i feel like those are the two yeah. big ones i tend to fall more on the green day side but like i feel like all the people that are making pop punk now like at this huge level people like machine gun kelly and mm-hmm. you know these kids on tiktok that are doing all this crazy stuff with travis barker you know the yeah. blink 182 influence is still there and travis barker is the only he's like the most famous drummer we have right now yeah yeah it's funny actually because growing like when i was so speaking of why it makes me feel old like every time i listen to it i still think of my buddy uh mike sleeth who's a drummer he drums for um 
Sean Mendez actually. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, and he's a phenomenal drummer. And he, I think he recorded a track for Katy Perry, did the rock version of I Kissed a Girl uh, years and years ago. And then he played, and then uh, Travis Barker played his drum track at like the Grammys or whatever oh, award crazy. show that she played it. And we were like, holy shit. And, uh, <laughs> And that's it. But we always sort of were like, you know, that was the style we really like playing. And, and, and Mike is super active like that. And um, even seeing that guy reminds me of, of playing punk music back in those days. Yeah. And stuff. So it's all tied back to that. One guy who's doing fantastic things, I think, for pop, uh, pop punk now is um, revitalizing is Kenny Hoopla. Yeah. Um, and, and he's doing stuff with Travis Barker, but he is, has an incredible voice. He is so great. Yeah, there's so, there's so many people doing cool and interesting stuff like and, uh, you know, to bring it all back to that idea of a gateway, you know, I might I might not care about uh, Machine Gun Kelly or Youngblood mm -hmm. or, you know, any of these people. But I'm like, yeah, but if they kind of get a few people that will go and listen to like bands that I like, that's cool. You know, sure. to know that like a band like The Wonder Years can make a little more money <laughs> because some kid heard Machine Gun Kelly and decided I want want to hear more pop punk a hundred percent i agree yeah but uh let's keep on rolling along into my next pick which is hey there delilah by the plain white tees um, hey there delilah what's it like in new york city i'm a thousand miles away but girl tonight you look so pretty yes you do times square can shine as bright as you i swear it's true Hey there, Delilah, don't you worry about the distance I'm right there if you get lonely Give this song another listen Close your eyes Listen to my voice, it's my disguise I'm by your side Oh, it's what you do to me Oh, it's what you do to me Uh, a band that kind of had some pop punk type stuff, but uh, not so much this one. <laughs> not what they really got famous for. Yeah, but this was like a seminal track. This track, yeah. I feel, just echoes through the decades. It's timeless. Yeah. Um, I always this mm -hmm. song always just kind of makes me think of that that era of like. I think it came out when I was in middle school, but it really kind of uh, crescendoed by the time I was in high school, like early high school. And I just bought an acoustic guitar. So I was playing that. And like, mm -hmm. this was a song that I wanted to learn to play. There were other plain white T songs that were less popular that I want to learn to play also, but yeah. just kind of being like, Oh, you know, this is sort of that James Blunt era where like a song like yeah. you're beautiful, <laughs> you know, is a massive hit, even though it's just kind of this sappy romantic ballad. Yeah. 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 It's funny how they, um, you can write something that's relatively simple, but it just, uh, I think, well, that's where it is, right? It's just simplicity really is a key. So um, it's just touched on so many people. It's really easy. The funny thing about that story, like the story about that song is really yeah. crazy, right? Like it's about uh, a girl that he liked and uh, didn't end up with, but they ended up like hanging out or something and going to like award shows together. Like 
that's weird. I wrote songs about girls when I was younger and I was like way too terrified to ever be like, this song's about you, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, well, it's but, hard to it, deny yeah. when the name's in the title. <laughs> yeah, true enough. You could always change the name, I guess, um, <laughs> to avoid that. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's a cool song. It reminds me of high school still because that's where I was. And uh, it's just one of those quiet, like, play it at the end of a party or beside a campfire and uh and you're always going to feel like you're kind of back in that time zone i think yeah and it's also i think a little bit kind of more hopeful than just as a love song where you know he's kind of got the line about oh you know someday i'm going to pay the bills with this guitar and you yeah. know it's, uh, you and know it does. Was, <laughs> yeah this was the song that made that band famous and you know, I I love when bands kind of do that, even though it's kind of a corny trick. Um, yeah, you the know, foreshadowing is incredible, actually, yeah. when that happens. So, <laughs> yeah, I always think of uh, the band The Gaslight Anthem, where they have a lyric where he's like, you know, tell her that I'm famous now for all these rock and roll songs. And it's like, you were not at the time. <laughs> yeah, um, no, but I appreciate the, like I said, the foreshadowing, the confidence in yourself, because I uh, never had that personally, but I, yeah, if you hear it, you're kind of like, when did you write this man? Because like, you're huge now because of this lyric, but did you write this when you were playing to five people? Cause I never would have guessed that of, you know, any of the bands that I were in. I don't know if I had the confidence to write something like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, cool song though. Cool song. Absolutely. Um, well, let's keep on rolling along into your next pick, which was Circulate by Jeezy. I've, I, I, yeah, so I was 22. It came out in 2008 um, from the Recession album. So like spot on timing, obviously, like the whole right. world came crashing down for millennials um, for maybe the first or second time. Um, but it does sort of remind me of how hard hit um, everything everything was. Like, I think my my dad lost his job, uh, which was like he had the same job for 27 years. Uh, and he lost his job. Luckily, he picked something up relatively quickly, but that was like yeah. a cornerstone of our whole lives was where he worked. Um, so that was crazy. Uh, I was I was working this like crappy sort of night job, but uh, it, it kicked me into gear to go traveling um, at the time, the recession itself, not the song. Um, but yeah, it's um, <laughs> there's one line in the song that says, I'm looking at my watch like it's a bad investment. Uh, which I think signals to 
sort of the idea that so many so so much of hip-hop was built on especially at the time building on this idea of these lavish life yeah. you know la- lifestyles um and now we've had this epic economic disaster uh in north america at least and uh was it was global i guess but uh you know, and then you're just looking at um, maybe simple to me, but not to him is like you're looking at your watch like it's a bad investment. It's like just everything you, you, you're you doing now, you've got to be super or hyper conscious of uh, financially. And uh, for a hip hop, you know, superstar to say something like that in quotes, I guess, is uh, uh, it rattles you because even in, from a working class perspective, you're like, well, fuck, I have nothing. Right. <laughs> like, what am I going to do? What are, what are bad investments have I made? Right. Yeah, it's so funny because I, you know, I realized that this song was 2008 because he has that line. I can't wait until the recession's over. I didn't realize the whole album is actually called The Recession. Um, Yeah. You know, and it was funny listening to that just because I didn't listen to this album a whole lot when it came out. I knew the song, um, My President, just because it was so huge, you know, and so associated (laughs) with Obama's election. But I was like, okay, you know, this is, uh, you know, it hearing it now it made me it made me think of a lot of the songs that have come out in the pandemic where people have lines about the pandemic and you know saying sort of the same thing although you know i was 13 14 when the recession hit you know so like you know i was aware of it but i did not you know i from a pretty well off you know part of new york so like you know i was aware of it but i was like oh i did not realize how catastrophic it was until I was much older. Yeah, I think it's a wild time in our history, right? So many people had to pivot on their education and their jobs and families. And it was, um, it was 13 years ago now. And uh, I don't know, I, w- I was a completely different person back then. And I wasn't huge on uh, hip hop in general, but uh, there were two uh, things that really I enjoyed listening to the diplomats are one of them and, uh, and, and young Jeezy for sure. And this album, um, was fantastic. And it just spoke exactly to the time that we were in. Now, I don't know if, if stuff like this is going to date it to the point where it'll become irrelevant. Um, because like you're saying, like with, if people are, are referencing COVID now, like are, is my nephew in like 20 years going to look back and be like, what the fuck is COVID? Like he's yeah. <laughs> two years old right now. He doesn't know what it is. Um, so he's, is he going to be, uh, is he going to be like, I'm not going to listen to that because it's, it's stuck in time. Um, so I don't know. Do you feel that was circulate at all? Um, not really, because I mean, I, obviously I was able to pick out when it was because of that, but overall I still really enjoyed it. You know, even though, you know it had that kind of implication just because like this sound because sonically like you said you know it kind of is a perfect depiction of a lot of the rap that I like at that time you know which is kind of like the luxury lifestyle thing you know and I think the idea that it's you know it sounds like a hype track it sounds very exciting and fun but then it has these kind of you know, more dire lyrics where it's looking at how horrible things are. I think that that kind of irony is still very relatable to people, you know, because it shows a certain want and, you know, kind of a a want versus, you know, a circumstance. Yeah, sure. I think he did a hell of a job. It's such a groovy track. Like, yeah, 
um yeah i don't know i don't remember like i'm not a very dancey person like like genuinely dancey uh but i feel like that that um that's when hip-hop really started being like oh i i can actually move to this because i mean yeah. I, like i said growing up with punk and rock i was like i just go to shows to like shove in the crowd yeah, and I try put- not to fall over and there's no dancing, but that sort of stuff was like, oh, man, I can groove to this. Like, this is music I can just sit in a car to or do whatever. And it's like, I can bob my head along really easy. Yeah. Too, it's so. the type of stuff, like, for, for me, when I do comedy, I either like really intense emo stuff, depending on how my set is going to go, or I like really kind of like braggadocious hip hop. You right know? yeah yeah so it's <laughs> that's funny one or one extreme or the other i either want to feel really confident or really bad about myself are you talking uh, about like what you listen to before the show or you yeah. like do you, yeah 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 so you like get uh you rev yourself up with uh, right. with some tunes before the show yeah that's great that's it's cool. always like high energy but like this is like the type of thing that i would put on you know at least kind of from the sound perspective like you know that would get me excited to get on stage you know if i'm like all right i'm gonna have a good set it's gonna be fun you know yeah. <laughs> not like being like all right i gotta get everything out before i get on stage yeah i feel like i don't i don't yeah i i just think that the the juxtaposition like you were talking about before like they the, this is someone who's uh you know famous and they, they write music and they're high energy and they're creating something for people to listen to but at the same time they are talking about a tragic situation um but man they can make you dance to that tragic situation exactly. um well let's keep it's funny my next song is from 2008 also uh nice. 15 by taylor swift um and i'm gonna use the recent taylor's version um mm-hmm. Morning of your very first day You say hi to your friends You ain't seen in a while Try and stay out of everybody's way It's your freshman year And you're gonna be here For the next four years in this town Hoping one of those senior boys Will wink at you and say Yeah, sorry. So I was just going to say, like, like I said earlier, this is when I saw this, I was like, I don't know. I can't speak to this. I can't speak to this. Um, I feel like it makes me feel old in the way that I never heard of this song. And uh, Taylor Swift, I know she's massive and I know she's super talented uh, because I guess she writes her all her own stuff or that's the way the story goes. But uh, I never got into her. And so I don't have, it makes me feel old because I was probably too old to get into it at the time. It's so funny. You're the second person that I think that I've spoken to that said, like, I know Taylor Swift is huge. I couldn't tell you if I've heard a Taylor Swift song. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, But yeah, I mean, for me, uh, you know, I remember when this song came out and I was about a year younger than the age that, Mm -hmm. you know, she's singing about being and, you know, 
probably right when the song came out, I was probably still very much in my like metal mindset where I was like, right. Whatever I listen to has to be a metal song. Otherwise it's stupid and it sucks. But yes, <laughs> sorry. I don't still believe that, but I, right. I understand that mindset. Yeah. But then by the end of like ninth grade, I'd heard this song and I was like, okay, this is a kind of cool and interesting, you know, thought process because by that point I was 15 and I was like, you know, if someone tells me that she loves me, I'm going to yeah. believe them also. Um, sure. You know, but like listening to it now and Taylor just redid the whole album that this is from. It's okay. funny to look back because Taylor is 31 now um, <laughs> right. and hearing her sing this song is very funny to me just because okay. you know uh me being 26 now if i think back to how i felt and how i thought when i was 15 i just keep thinking like oh i was such a fucking idiot oh man i cringe all the time when i think about who i was back then yeah um but so but like i still like the song but when i reflect on kind of the lyrical subject matter where she's like talking about like people on the football team and you know yeah. being a cheerleader <laughs> i'm like this is all so vapid and superficial and stupid um you know and even though i like the song and the chorus and things like that it doesn't uh ring as true as it did when i first heard right it. yeah well told i think um it's funny it's kind of like it reminds me of uh when you watch these um sort of like drama i was mentioning these shows to my cousins who are the oldest one is 10 years younger than me or 11 years younger than me uh so they're way out in terms of generational um you know uh divide but uh yeah i had mentioned i was like did you ever watch the show the oc and they were like no never even heard of it and i was like what um but it kind of reminds me of shows like that or degrassi here in canada where you'd have like these 20 year olds playing 15 year olds yeah and i'm like you're not 15, man. That's not right. how 15 year olds act. Like, don't be ridiculous. Um, but it's weird because we listen or we watch those things and we're like, oh, but I'm 15. So I should act like this 20, 25 right. year old who just looks like a 15 year old should act. Right. And then you get that confusion, I think. But uh, yeah, that that's uh, that's weirdly. I don't know where I'm going with this, but that's kind of how it makes me feel like watching actors who are too old to play their parts. Absolutely. Well, it's also kind of like just no, because the actors are in their 20s, the people writing those shows are probably in their 30s, maybe. <laughs> yeah, 40s, right. You know, and yeah. so there's kind of a disconnect where I kind of think about watching like American Pie when I was in eighth grade and thinking like this yeah. is what high school is going to be like. And then high school was nothing like that. Oh, man. I thought so. Like I said before, like Americans, like, push out the entertainment right it's crazy we just get bombarded with american stuff just because i think canada cannot physically produce as much content as, as the states right um and we got all that stuff american pie and and uh whatever others i can't think of anything right now um you know but these big college party movies that that you always see and i was like man college is gonna be insane and then i went to college and i was like yeah this is shit it's nothing like the Much movies what the hell? <laughs> it's not animal house <laughs> yeah yeah but you think going into it you're like yes i'm gonna be in a fraternity and i'm gonna take part in all this toxic shit and then you get there and you're like 
wow, it's just class. And then people who only drink on Thursdays, what? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and stuff like that. Anyways, yeah, <laughs> that's funny. But yeah, and it's funnier now, I think, to look back and reflect on those times, just be the like those pieces of media, because you're kind of like, oh, yeah, it was nothing like that. <laughs> no, that see, when it happened, I feel like that's when reality hit and that's when the sadness sinks in. But now it's funny. Yeah. Right. It's Absolutely. funny now. <laughs> Let's keep on rolling along into your next pick, which was El Scorcho by Weezer. So it, this came out when I was 10. I had no idea who they were when, when this came out. Right. Um, but I came to liking Weezer like later in life. Uh, but yeah, I think, I don't know. I guess this was always on in the background, like in the, in the you know, on the radio and stuff like that. Um, it's funny what I've written here. I said, you know, Weezer to me has always had this spectacular way of uh being for music nerds and drama kids and party people and punk kids uh and it just sort of crosses all of those paths effortlessly yeah um you know they have very clever lyrics and they've got hooky riffs and and uh, chunky choruses and stuff like that and um it's just like it's one of those songs where it's not the first weezer song that comes to mind when i think of weezer but if i hear it i'm like oh shit that's the song. I love that song. You know, it's just like um, it turns into something really great. And um, yeah, I don't know. I've seen them twice, uh, both at the same venue. We have some this thing called the Molson Amphitheater in Toronto, and it's an outdoor venue, um, half covered or whatever. So um, there's a bunch of seats, uh, amphitheater style. And then they have like a, the further back section is all grass. So you can like bring chairs or, uh, you know, uh, blanket or whatever um and uh man both times i've seen them they are the they are 100 the tightest band i've ever seen in my oh life. i bet um i'm Incredible. supposed to see them for the first time this summer um assuming covid i doesn't, hope you do uh assuming covid doesn't screw it up and i'm excited um but it kind of it kind of like you said i came to i wouldn't say i came to weezer late in life because 2005 or so I was in fifth grade make believe was a new album so it was big mm. and you know I know that that's not the cool Weezer album to like um but those were kind of my introductions um and I joked recently about how since I got into Weezer then if I was gonna rank my five uh non-blue non-pinkerton album tracks it's gotta be like stuff from that and later like i'm not yeah. into the green album at all yeah it's it's funny like i guess um 
I, I mean, I guess whatever it's, you, you're not obligated to love every song they make, but uh, yeah, I think it's one of those things too, where, like I said, it was a little bit later in life that I came to it, like uh, started really listening to them. Um, but I listened to them also, like I said, with those drama kids in school yeah. in high school and stuff. And, and they were, cause it was a quirky thing, right? It was nerd rock. Um, and I played in a nerd rock band. Uh, and so that yeah. was kind of cool, but um never even close to as good as Weezer obviously but uh it was nice to have that reassurance like oh you you could do this you can make music that's goofy but also tight and talent and there's talent that yeah. comes through and um yeah they were just super cool man I don't know they're it's funny how they've it seems like a lot of their songs if another band did El Scorcho that would just be a one-off and if yeah. some other band did, uh, you know, Pork and Beans, that would just be a one-off for them. But they write the hits every single time. They just they do really, it right. Well, because I think also, you know, besides kind of having the good, insightful, you know, like thoughtful lyrics, you know, the fact that Wizard, uh, I almost called him Wizard Cuomo, uh, Rivers Cuomo <laughs> yeah. was very much like a hair metal, like, like, glam rock fan so like there's all the crazy big guitar riffs and solos and things that like you know other bands yeah. of that era weren't necessarily doing these big shredding solos um and i think that you know even with this song they have the very funny lyrics in it where i like you know the the reference to going to a green day concert you know because that line wouldn't work today if it was a current band yeah, and in like in the pork and beans video, it's all memes from that era too. So you can literally, it's like a library of early, uh, early internet memes. I say that in quotes, but the thrash thing is cool that you bring that up because I remember the first time that I saw them, uh, I was on the lawns and I was with a friend of mine uh, who I was in this nerd rock band with or whatever. And uh, he always wanted i think he always wanted an explorer and that was the guitar that weezer's uh guitar player i think still plays you can insert their name here i don't remember his name uh, I, um i want to say matt sharp but i feel like that's a different member of the band it could be i uh i don't know i have a terrible memory to be honest but uh they like he was ripping these solos like i've never heard but like he's just a fantastic they're on point there they have i feel like all of them have some sort of internal metronome um and it, you can if you show up at the show you know exactly what you're going to hear i think that speaks to their professionalism probably as well um but they're super clever and uh yeah they're such a great band i love them that re just reminds me of like yeah i guess um my early 20s when i really started paying attention to them and uh a lot of good time spent alone because i traveled um i went backpacking when i was 21 uh not for a very long time but i backpacked through europe and i listened to uh quite a bit of that you know was was in the air so it was um special times yeah absolutely another thing that i do love about weezer too is just kind of the fact that they've gone through so many changes like not even just musically but kind of in public perception of them <laughs> where you know they've got kind of gone from being you know these indie darlings to kind of a massively popular rock band and then into like a critical punching bag um and they've kind right. of done it all and i think that you know it kind of i you know even though, you know, Weezer does so many albums, 
you can't really like every single thing that they do but i think sure. the fact that like they've gone through all those changes and they can kind of do really whatever they want at this point is something to be admired yeah i feel like they could easily be a band in the 60s or the 70s uh or any era really and just what they produce whatever they produce is going to come out if you don't like it it's still going to be really good uh, yeah. objectively really good um but yeah they've they've been able to maintain and it's, and it's their persona as well i don't think they give a shit at all uh which is fantastic as well like they just don't care they don't take it personally uh they just keep sort of plugging and chugging and uh entertaining the hell out of us so i appreciate them for that um they're great absolutely let's keep on rolling along into my next pick which was disturbia by rihanna This is kind of sort of the same sort of idea I had with Panic at the Disco where like, you know, Rihanna's such a big pop star now and she was big at the time that this came out too, but she wasn't, she wasn't like Rihanna. <laughs> um, yeah, right. And I remember, I remember hearing this and even though I was still mostly listening to like rock music and metal and, you know, I was resistant to pop music just because I I thought, oh, you know, pop music isn't good. It's vapid. It's right. stupid. You know, mm -hmm. hearing a song like this, that's a little bit darker and a little bit more sinister kind of spoke to me. Um, but what's really kind of made me feel old with it now is it became a TikTok sound. Oh, is that right? I, to be honest, the first time I heard the song was when you told me about it. It's the same oh. same thing, unfortunately. But uh, I, I mean, it's it's cool how um, it, since day one, I feel like uh, yeah, Rihanna's kind of uh, been the same sort of punk rock attitude, right? Uh, sh she's uh, and she's been through a hell of a lot, right? Oh. Uh, so, well, I mean, we can't look past that. But the big song for me with Rihanna was uh, was Umbrella, which I guess it probably oh. was for, for everybody, but. Uh, yeah, this song was pretty cool. And I got that sort of vibe as well. I feel like this is um, something that she was doing that probably wasn't gonna wasn't gonna reach, you know, the mainstream crowd as, as much as something like Umbrella did. But uh, you could definitely tell that it was um, of the time because it was uh, when did that come out exactly? Um, I want to say 2008. Yeah, so it's kind of like 
I feel like a lot of things went dark at that time as well. <laughs> Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yep. This was June 2008. Um, yeah. yeah, you know, well, because also I feel like that was around the time that like Lady Gaga was starting to be a real popular presence. And, mm-hmm. you know, for me, uh, you know, I... Uh, I feel like Rihanna was really someone that wasn't afraid to kind of do yes. the occasional like offbeat thing compared to her more pop oriented stuff. You know, this it says was kind of after she did a song called Don't Stop the Music, which was very like a generic pop song. I remember being at like seventh grade dances and yeah. jumping yeah. around to that. Um, but she had like this song and then, uh, I feel like when I was in high school, she put out that song S&M um, mm-hmm. where, you know, it's not like she was singing about S&M really, but, you know, had the sort of imagery and thoughts where she was like, chains and whips excite me. Right. Yeah. I find it funny that uh, I shouldn't keep saying that, but I don't find it funny, actually. But I find it like I interesting run. that you said it uh, that way, that she was never sort of afraid to approach the darker issues or, or at least kind of like flirt with them with her music and, and, uh, and at least the visual aspects as well. Because I think, um, you know, the pop stars when I was growing up was Britney Spears was huge and the Spice Girls and, uh, um, and Christina Aguilera was massive, right? And for if they stepped out of line, like when Christina Aguilera did that, that song where she was in the boxing ring. I'm speaking of the videos because I can never remember the song, but uh, the name, um, which probably makes me a terrible guest. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, no. um, uh, I Dirty. I, Anyways, I think it's called oh. Dirty, right? Is it Dirty? Uh, possibly. I, I have no I idea. mean, okay. Anyways, let's call it Dirty just for, she was in a boxing ring and she looked dirty as shit, but uh, like her makeup. Um, anyways, for any of them to go that length, um was just like out of this world you know you could write off a pop star for for doing something like what christina aguilera did but for rihanna it was natural and it was i think maybe that was somewhere uh the beginning of like really a female pop stars female like you know sweet in the cheek pop stars uh also being able to openly flirt with uh uh darker imagery and, and darker subject matter and stuff like that Absolutely. And then when, you know, Rihanna, I think now she, I mean, she hasn't put out an album in five years, but, you know, her last album, I didn't listen to it all the way through until last year, but she was kind of able to make a really solid pop record, you know, where I was kind of like, oh, I never got into Rihanna before, but I listened all the way through and I was like, oh, there's a lot of different genres on this and there's a lot of different influences and getting to hear someone that, you know, I, as far as I was concerned at this time was kind of a, you know, just kind of a whatever flash in the pants is going to make pop music, whatever kind of star making something that I was like, oh, this is really well thought out was a massive change for me. Interesting. I'm going to have to listen to that. Um, I'll I'll, I'll give it a listen for sure. Yeah. Um, But let's keep on rolling along into your next pick, which was My Eyes Burn by Matchbook Romance. Something that wasn't there in the first place. So take, take everything and leave me scrambling. 
This is like the pinnacle of emo for me, this yes. song. Um, classic emo track. Um, <laughs> so I have a story about this song um, or about this band because I saw them at this historically tiny and historically old uh, Toronto venue called the Elma Combo. Uh, and like the, the Rolling Stones played there. I think the police played there back in the day, right? When tickets were like $3. Um, and uh, yeah, so anyways, I was going to see Matchbook Romance. I had a friend who I was going with, uh, this guy, Matt, and he had his like wisdom teeth out like that day or the day before, but he was dead set on going to this show. Uh, and I was like, oh man, I'm, I'm fucking, I, can I swear on this? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I was like, man, I'm fucking hungry. You know, let's get something to eat. So there was a Popeye's chicken across the street from this place. And we, we go in there and obviously neither of us thought about this. I think we were like, 17 whatever at the time and he bites into this chicken and popeye's chicken the breading is like the dolomites in italy they are the sharpest ridges yeah. of breading in life and he literally uh, obviously just got his uh wisdom teeth out and he just started bleeding all over this chicken right he didn't make it to the second piece. I'll tell you right now. He just like bit into it and it was agony for the whole time. But uh, he did look pretty emo going into the show because he was covered in blood. And uh, but we made it. And uh, yeah, it was so funny because it's like classic, you know, the hair was over the eyes and uh, black um, finger paint and stuff like that. Or, or he had the cut off gloves with the skeleton hands on them. It was like walking into a poster for the band, but it was such a great show. Um, but yeah, I don't know. This is a really cool song because uh, it's it's emo, but it's also super chunky. Like there's the drums are really low. There's double kick, um, which reminds me a lot of like um, like metal music uses double kick, obviously. And and I love double kick uh, drum and stuff like that. But uh, the bass is like super fat. Um, yeah, it isn't screamo heavy, but it definitely got me into like the Kyoto's type of stuff. And later on with Four Years Strong, um, it was kind of, a, again, kind of like a gateway song, right? Where Matchbook Romance sort of, it drips with that third wave emo, yeah. but they were really, I think, greater than the sum of their parts kind of band. Yeah, this this was one I hadn't heard. The only Matchbook Romance song that I really knew before this was um, Monsters, because that mm -hmm. came out when I was kind of of the age that I was more seeking out music and like watching music videos on TV. Um, and that was kind of the big hit at the time. So listening to this, you know, was uh, it was kind of funny to me just because like, I can't think of a more perfect like encapsulation of like what people think emo sounds like. Yeah, listening yeah. to this because it has those kind of overdramatic lyrics with like the high pitched scream. Like you said, I picture some kid with like the big swoopy hair. Yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> just screaming it into the microphone. It's it's so fun, and I I loved the hell out of this. Um, oh great, that's funny. That's yeah, I'm glad. <laughs> but that's so funny with the Popeye's chicken. I've only I've only had Popeye's once. Um, and yeah, that, me too. <laughs> I watched someone bleed from the mouth. That was the last time yeah. I ever wanted Popeye's. But yeah, <laughs> that, that would deter me from wanting to try it again. Yeah. But yeah, um, let's keep on rolling along into my next pick, which was Still Fly by The Devil Wears Prada. Um,
cover so, spot. Right. Um, so this, these guys were heavy. Right? Yeah. These guys were like like pretty heavy for heavy's sake in terms of like mainstream like screamo type stuff. Right. This is kind yeah. of that Kyoto's or Chiodos, however you want to pronounce it. Um, type of music and i think i actually may have seen them once at the last warp tour that i went to uh i didn't like you know particular i wasn't into them or anything like that but uh it was kind of cool here let me put it this way so when i was kind of like when i was growing up and uh when i was 20 how old was i 23 maybe i moved in with like my my girlfriend who's now my wife and uh we lived in the same building as a few of our friends a few people that she worked with we had mutual friends and uh they were into like death metal and black metal and stuff like that and i showed them this type of music and they were like fuck you dude like (laughs) this is not real metal and this is so like lame and stuff and and they would sit me down for hours and we they would teach me about like demo borgir and death and they made me read books about metal and stuff. And I really, like, I grew to love it. I do love black metal and death metal and stuff like that. But, uh, um, you know, in like eight minute chunks, I can't listen to the three hours that, you know, I used to listen to it. But uh, anyways, this sort of was the mainstream, I think, attempt to get like those really, really heavy tracks, really deep guttural screams into music, mainstream music. And I appreciate that sort of stuff, but I was never deeply in to it but what makes me feel old is that they were i think the generation uh of like heavy sort of emo stuff that i was into so if i was at a show that they were at or that music was being played at i was way older than everyone else in the crowd uh, yeah, yeah for, well because this came out when i was in eighth grade um right and i don't think i was i don't think i was listening to the devil wears prada until ninth grade but this was kind of the first time I ever sought out songs with screaming in them. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, Cause like I was listening to like panic at the disco bands, like Metallica and Megadeth and like, mm-hmm. you know, I was a huge Marilyn Manson fan at the time. Um, but I had like my friends in eighth grade that were into metal and like we had our little band um, who were never very good. And I remember there was a girl in our class in our, at our Catholic middle school that was like, oh yeah, you know, my brother's in a band and they're playing at um, the Peekskill Elks Lodge. Um, and her brother's okay. band was called, at first, at the time they were called This Blissful Silence. Then they had to change their name because there was another band called This Blissful Silence. But they would right. do like Avenged Sevenfold covers, but then they would do stuff that was more like breakdown heavy, screaming, yeah. you know, like sort of like this song. And this was the first time I started seeing people in like Bring Me the Horizon t-shirts and uh, Devil mm-hmm. Wears Prada, who were also like a Christian band that, you know, it was... Right, it was, yeah. Yeah, for me, I always thought it was funny because I was like, oh, you know, it's Christian, but they're screaming it, <laughs> you know? It's funny because like, okay, so I was into new metal and stuff and this will make me feel old, but uh, I don't know if you remember a band called P.O.D. <laughs> they uh, were, I don't listen to P.O.D., but I yeah. know of them. Right. Was it Payable on Death or Playable? Anyway, I think it was Payable on Death. Anyways, whatever, P.O.D. And they were, um, they were great. They were a good new metal band. And then I found out they were... A christian band and i was like what the fuck like <laughs> i didn't realize because christian music does do that right they kind yeah. of 
get into different, really different styles of music. And I was kind of surprised. Um, they do. Uh, there's this great essay by this guy, John Jeremiah Sullivan or Jeremiah John Sullivan, where okay. he goes to like the biggest Christian music festival in the, in North, it might be in the world, but in North America. Um, and he taught, uh, I watched an interview with him once and he was talking about that essay and the essay is really good and beautiful, but he says like, yeah, when it comes to Christian music, if you take any mainstream song or genre of music, there's a Christian version, like watered down bastardization of it. Yeah. Yeah. It seems to be that way. It's kind of funny how it works out like that. Um, but I was never into that. Uh, it's one of those things where I kind of, when I found out it was that I was like, that's lame. Can't listen to it. Yeah. But the, I think the devil wears prod. I don't want, I don't mean to be insulting. But the, when I heard that, I was like, Oh, that's just like the movie. You know what I mean? That, that right. movie that came out and I was like, that's weird. But if I would have, if I'm, I'm not, um, I've done this. I've said this a few times now, even on my own podcast, but like, I don't want to be like, oh, I'm going to give advice or anything. But, uh, if anybody is listening to, uh, that stuff and you want to hear some really heavy stuff check out the walk-in open air festival uh or walk-in open air festival and namely like arch enemy if you want to hear because those i had there was a band that uh my buddy's little brother was in um and they were called uh abandon all ships okay and what the, and they have you they did tour around a bit actually they did all right surprisingly um but they were sort of this type of band that they did really chunky, heavy breakdowns, uh, like lots of screaming, but they also had EDM. They had like a lot of like beats put into it. Uh, they were like, I don't know if this is like a bad term. They were, we call them like guidos here. They were like really <laughs> like second, third generation Italian, mostly the drummer was right. a Polish kid. Um, and uh, anyways, the, the drummer, who's my buddy's little brother, he's gone on to a, a, a play in a band, form a band called the Cherry Pools. And they're really great, but they're a bit more poppy. Uh, but yeah, they were like that. But I was always like, they're just not where Arch Enemy is for me. Right. Right. And those bands that were like Arch Enemy and those types of bands were just so bloody brutal. And, uh, and I would see these bands, I'd be like, you're just just not that close right well because i remember it's very it makes sense why like this type of band was very accessible to me in particular in eighth grade just because like oh this was this was more intense than the pop punk stuff i was listening to yeah, yeah uh yeah. but not as intense as like a black metal band um yeah right so it was kind of, of like it was a good like bridge into heavier stuff where like i would there's one kind of metalcore band i still listen to um and that's ice nine kills but nothing but like devil wears prada hasn't really stuck with me the way that you know other stuff that i listened to at that time really did um but i chose this song in particular because it's a cover by big timers but it's from the punk goes crunk compilation from fearless yeah. and those were kind of my real gate i want to say gateway into pop music where i would listen to you know mm -hmm. a band like devil wears prada do still fly or i would listen to like all-time low playing umbrella um, and I was like, yeah, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I can enjoy this song because it's a rock or metal or punk version. 
Yeah, it's funny because I uh, I don't have kids, but uh, and uh, I'm not going to. But uh, I always thought like at one point I did think like, you know, we were going to have kids. And I always thought that they was really cool when, you know, these nursery rhyme versions of, po- of yeah. punk songs would come out. And I was like, if my kid's going to listen to anything, it's going to be that. Yeah. Right. So that's I I can see I can totally appreciate how that is. And again, we have like definitely at least one generation of time between me and you. So uh, don't take any offense to what I'm saying if it's just not the same, but uh, I get it. Like it, it's hard to go from, from Blink-182 to burning churches. So I appreciate yeah. that like the Devil Wears Prada is there for people to, to get from one place to another. It's cool. Yeah, absolutely. What's funny to me now is just like a lot of people that were listening to this stuff in like middle school and high school, like, you know, are now in like their early 20s early 30s you know and now like they're writing for like music websites and (laughs) magazines and things Mm. so like there's been it it kind of happened with my chemical romance i'd say most notably where they weren't necessarily like a critical hit in 2006 but now all those people have music writing jobs um yeah and like when the comeback came back it was like oh you know this is actually a classic exactly yeah yeah i agree This has been a Lug Hole Podcast.